Father God, thank you for um, your love and your grace. Thank you for everybody here, Lord, all the children. Thank you for the opportunity, Lord, to be in your presence, to be amongst your people, Lord, um, to hear from you. Lord, I pray that you would uh, just speak to us today, Lord. Um, thank you that uh, when Jesus preached, children were around. Uh, they didn't have children's ministry or any of those things, and so it was a normal thing. So, Lord, I pray that parents wouldn't feel weird about their kids making noises during today, Lord, and, and uh, just thank you, Lord, that your word never turns back void, and it's so simple, Lord, that you know how to translate to a child's heart the truth of you. And there's something special about that scripture where the disciples wanted to rush the kids off, Lord, and you said, don't suffer the children. In other words, have them stay with me. And Lord, I praise you for that. I thank you that in our lives that we have the ability to share the truth of who you are with our children, Lord. Even in the midst of frustrations and insecurities and our own sinful nature that gets in the way, Lord. Lord, that if we continue to keep you in the forefront, to keep you in the center, Lord, to be in prayer and to confess our sins, Lord, to, to one another and to, to pray, Lord, and even with our children, Lord, to talk with them about those things. God, I thank you for that, that you are not about uh, frustrating us, Lord. You're about teaching us what it means to be full of you, your love, your grace, your peace, your mercy, Lord, faithfulness, kindness. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for the fruit of the Spirit and that it's the standard, Lord, that we're to live by. Lord, thank you for Paul's ministry and that after we finished Acts, God, that we get to look at his writings to the churches of Galatia. Lord, I pray that we wouldn't miss out on what you have to speak to us today, Lord, no matter what age we are, Lord, that none of us would leave this place, Lord. And I pray specifically for other church services, Lord, that you'd pour your Spirit out upon those that don't know you. Draw people unto you, God. Take the scales from the eyes and the hearts of those who don't know you, Lord. Raise up ministers and preachers and teachers and evangelists, Lord. Give boldness to those that need boldness, Lord, and courage that need courage and strength that needs strength, Lord. I just pray that you would just continue to bring healing. Thank you, Lord, for tonight's uh, night of harvest and that it's not about an event. It's about fishing. And Lord, we pray that you would just give opportunities for us today, Lord, to in a joyful way share the truth of you, Lord. Just praise you and give you all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> so I've done this once before. I said, oh yeah, my sermon's only this many pages. Well, now it's only a page and a half. I'm baiting you guys, I swear. You're like, yes, lunch is at 11 now. Not one. <laughs> no, it's good to be, hey man, you know, in Acts, I mean, when, when, when the Lord's moving in people's lives and you become hungry for what God wants in your life, the clock stands still. And... Um, Everything in our lives, even as a young child, outside of the Word of God and the movement of the Holy Spirit, tailors us to be placing the kingdom of God and things about God on a secondary level instead of first. 
And um, speaking of that, if you don't have a Bible today, raise your hand. Clint will bring a Bible to you. Thank you, Clint. Um, so today we got a few verses that we're going to look at. And they're pretty heavy verses. Um, we're going to be discussing the seriousness of what the gospel is and the seriousness of what happens in our lives when people come to us and try and share something with us that's contrary to the gospel. And when we opened up last week, we, we kind of gave an overview of, of, of Galatia. Um, this isn't just one church. Um, this is a group of churches in the, in, the, in the area of Galatia. And we talked about how, you know, they were Celtic. Um, and so some of us who have that heritage in our life, um, you know, the gospel was spoken to our, our ancestors. And this, these churches were planted during... Um, Paul's missionary journeys, and as a good, loving, shepherding pastor um, is, he, he noticed that some things that were going on in these churches. And this letter, which is a letter, that's, you know, how they wrote back then, this letter is a very pointed, very serious letter to the Galatians, the churches of Galatia. A lot of times, if you, if you look at Paul's epistles, Paul's letters, he's very floral, he's very like there's this long love letter almost prior to him actually writing to the other churches in his epistles. And this, in, 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 in the book of Galatians, he gets really straight to the point. Last week, we talked about um, the validity of who he was in the Lord and his credentials, basically, that they're in Jesus and they're not from man. And he, and he expounds on that later on also in Galatians. But I want to pick up in, in, in chapter 1, verse 6. <clears throat> and I'm, today I'm going to read through the verses and then um, we're going to break them apart. Usually I read them in succession with notes underneath, but today we're going to read this as a whole. So Galatians chapter 1, verse 6. Paul writing to the churches of Galatia. I marvel that you are turning away so soon from him who called you in the grace of Christ to a different gospel which is not another, but there are some who trouble you and want to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel to you than what we have preached to you, let him be accursed. As we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone preaches any other gospel to you other than what you have received, let him be accursed. For I do, for, for do I now persuade men or God? Or do I seek to please men? For if I still pleased men, I would not be a bondservant of Christ. And so we see here right away in verse six, just barely getting into this letter, he makes this very serious critical statement to these churches, to this group of believers. These weren't non-believers. These weren't people who hadn't made a decision for the Lord. These weren't people who hadn't heard about the gospel. And I'll later explain what the gospel is if you don't know what that term means. But Paul says, I marvel that you are turning away so soon. So he was astonished that these believers 
We're turning away. What does it mean when you turn away? Is it partial? No. It, it literally, like, when you turn a car to take a turn, do you partially turn? Only if you're drifting, right, maybe? That's a whole other subject. If, if, you're, if you're hiking on a trail and you see a trailhead, do you just keep going into the bushes or do you turn the way you need to go? It's, it, this statement here is Paul saying that he is absolutely beside himself that they have literally taken what they had received and left it. They were turned when we turn away from something, where does the, the ability to do that come from? Is it an outside source? The devil made me do it? That's not really a true statement, actually. No, it starts with our mind. It starts with our mind, our thinking. And what influences our mind and our thinking? What we see and what we hear. God's so creative, he gave us two things to hear with and two things to see with. And when God starts speaking to us through the word of God, I don't mean from man or from some system of religiosity, but I mean the literal word of God, which is sharper than any twitch sword. Believe it or not, this, this is alive. And you say, well, no, it's not. There's no lungs or kidneys or anything like that in it. But the word of a God is alive. And, and when it's preached or spoken or read out loud, it penetrates the soul of a human being. And that's what God's word does. And that's why we read God's word because we need to be invoked or penetrated by the true and living God. I need the true and living God to always be molding me and changing me and redirecting me. I find myself when I get frustrated with things and, and, and act out in a way that's not godly, well, what have I been doing? I've been focusing on me and what I'm trying to do in my own strength and, and, and my direction has been turned from walking in the power of the Holy Spirit and being led by the word of God and not my own thinking. Everything else in the world is contrary to this. And so Paul starts this letter so severely because there were people that came into the churches of Galatia and started sharing with them something different than the grace of God. They started sharing with them that you have, you know, this system of, of laws that you need to follow on top of the grace of God. And some of you are like, well, you know, what is this with grace? You know, credit card. And a lot of times in our own thinking, we think we have to do this, this, and this to accomplish this because we want God to accept us, but that's a lie. We don't need to walk through a system of procedures to be able to let God be a part of our life. There's one thing. In your mind, recognize that you're a sinner. In your mind, read the word of God and see where Jesus says that he took care of that issue in your life. Read in the word of God and see that God allowed his son to be crucified on a cross for you, literally taking our place because God's requirement was a blood sacrifice of a pure lamb to, for the remission of sins. You go through the history of, 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 of the Israelites, that's what was required for the high priest. And when Jesus came on the scene, he satisfied all of those requirements because he was the true lamb of God, the pure sacrificial lamb, the propitiation for our sins, the replacement for what we could never do ourselves. And so this is what the church of Galatia had accepted and believed and lived. And these other people said, no, 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 sorry. No, no, that's too easy. Because see, what, what, 
What speaks to us when we have to accomplish something? It speaks to our pride, our own ability to accomplish something. As human beings, pride is a big deal. It controls us a lot of times. It controls what we think, how we think of other people, how we think of ourselves. And when we look at the face of the gospel, which is the good news that yet, yes, we are sinners. God's word says that we have fallen short of his glory. In other words, none of us can actually do anything to ever receive anything in our own effort from God. And without accepting Jesus Christ as our personal Lord and Savior and saying, Lord, I am undone a sinner and I need you in my life. Until we come to that point, we're trying to work something out that we can never work ourselves. And the churches of Galatia had already done that. And how easy is it for us as believers or even non-believers to accept something that's contrary to the truth of God's word? It's simple if we don't know what the truth is. It's simple if we don't have other people guiding us and, and sharing the truth of the Lord in our lives. But the fact of the matter still remains that even if somebody comes to you and shares all these things to you, there's one thing that needs to occur and it's your will needs to align with God. God gave all of us a free will. That's what love is, right? My wife and I, we've been married for 15 years, right? Praise the Lord. We have four amazing children, praise the Lord. And you know what? We choose in our will to love each other. We choose to stay committed, okay? Some, God gave us as human beings this free will. It's kind of crazy because the free will is what caused man to fall in the Garden of Eden, and you're like, I've talked with people, well, if God's so good, then why did he allow this to happen? Man, you know what my only answer is? Because this whole scenario called human beings and sin and Jesus coming to save us glorifies God. Because when it's all said and done, no one ever born except Jesus Christ on the face of this earth ever, the whole, every generation from beginning to end, no one can please God except through Jesus. And, in the, in the, and, and if you think about who God is, God demands to be glorified. God does not, will not um, compete with you and me. He won't. He doesn't need to. But the crazy thing is, is that when we lay our life down and accept the truth of who Jesus is and that he loves us so much in spite of us, there's this amazing radical transformation in our lives that occurs. And other people are going to come in and tell you something different than that. They're going to tell you that you don't need the, that the grace of, of, of Jesus is you got to do something else. There's other religions out there that, that, that live that way. Catholicism is that way. Mormonism is that way. Jehovah's Witnesses are that way. There's some church sects that, that believe you have to do this, this, and this, or speak in tongues to be able to prove that you have a relationship with Jesus. Those are farce. Those are false gospels. They're not real. They're, they're directly in contrary to what God's word says and how the gospel affects us as human beings. And this is literally what, and think about it for a second. If, this, if what I'm saying, this, this guy standing in front of you is saying is true, then what hangs in the balance in regards to people living out the gospel in their life is life and death. Because without Jesus, all of us are destined to be separated from God for eternity. But see, God so loved the world, right? John 3, 16, that he gave what to us? The, his only begotten son. And, and, the, and the scripture says that who, whoever believes in him shall not what? Shall not perish, but have everlasting life. That word perish doesn't necessarily mean 
that your body physically is never gonna die, your soul. See, you, you have a body, we have this physical body, and then you have a soul. God gave all of us a God-shaped hole in our heart. You may have heard that before. And there's only one thing that will satisfy it and fulfill it, and that's a relationship with Jesus. I didn't create this. I'm not making this up. This is how God ordained mankind to be. He created all of human beings to have a relationship with him so that we would glorify him in that relationship. And anything that comes in and speaks against this or contrary to the word of God is false. And again, I say to you, this is the reason why this letter to the churches of Galatia is so serious for Paul because he loved these people so dearly and he watched them grow in the Lord. And then he watched these other people who brought false doctrine to them. And you look at verse six and he says, right past where he says that you're turning away so soon. He says, from him, him being Jesus, who called you in the grace of Christ to a different gospel. And then verse seven says, which is not another, but there are some who trouble you and want to pervert the gospel of Christ. So Paul was astonished, like I mentioned, that they turned away from the true gospel. And they began to live according to a false gospel. I want you to think about this for a second, where, where it says, him who called you. Paul is saying that, that it is Jesus Christ that called them. It wasn't a man. A lot of times people misconcept, I, I don't like church because there's a dude telling me what to do. It's God that's speaking. Here at, at this ministry, this, this, this church that we have here that the Lord's blessed us with, to be able to have this place to hang out and talk about the, the Lord. If the word of God is not what stands here, then burn it down. If, 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 if what occurs at this place is not glorifying to God, I don't wanna be here. And I don't want any of you to be here. I don't want anybody to be in a place like that. Because you know what happens? When trouble hits the fan in your life, you have nothing to stand on at all. You're filled with fear, hopelessness, all sorts of things. I've been in, I, I interacted with people this week, you know, and, and I had to, I wasn't planning on sharing this, I'm gonna share this anyways. That seems to happen to me a lot. So I found out I have sleep apnea, a mild case. I guess it's bad if you stop breathing at least 12 times while you're asleep. And um, so I go to the, the place where the sleep apnea, you know, company is, and, you know, they want me to wear a mask, and it's in this office place, and I don't own a mask, and so... I said, do you have one? And she was reluctant and everything. And then they had a thermometer that looked something from Amazon maybe. And so they tested my, my forehead and, 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 and their thermometer said that my temperature was 99.8. And she's like, she literally stood back. Yeah. And, and you know what? I'm not making fun of, of people's concern about COVID or sickness or anything like that. Trust me, I have... I, I've had family members that have been affected by it. Um, do they know where they're going with that? Okay, sorry. There's bounce houses being set up outside in case online you're like, what are you talking about? And my point being is that this woman lived in fear. I was concerned for her. I was genuinely concerned. I'm like, she's afraid, you know? And, you know, I'm not saying negate sicknesses. But how we react in life can determine where our hope is. 
Um, and that's a real thing. So the Lord wants to be with you in all these areas of your life. And so get back to the scripture where Paul makes this statement to them and, and, and he speaks of that in the grace of Christ, and, and that word grace back in, in, in the latter part of verse six, it says the great, in the grace of Christ, that word grace is unmerited favor. In other words, they did nothing to gain this calling, this, 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 this relationship with Jesus. Unmerited favor. We, didn't, we did nothing to gain the love of God, not the relationship part. We have to be willing to repent and turn away from our sins and confess them as Lord. So that is our part. But the Lord loves us even in the middle of our sin. Doesn't love us enough to keep us there, but he loves us in spite of our sin. And so that word grace is unmerited favor. In other words, the Lord loves you dearly. See, the gospel is rooted in the grace of Jesus Christ. It's rooted in this unmerited favor for sinners like us. It's the only place you'll ever hear that from. The Bible, unmerited favor for sinners. And you think, well, what's that word sin? You know, I say this a lot. It's an old archery term. I should have grabbed one of the targets that Roy gave my daughter for her bow and arrow. But you, how many of you guys, you ever seen a target, right? You know, there's circles and circles and circles, and then there's a bullseye. And it used to be that, you know, you'd practice and you'd shoot your bow and arrow. And if you did not hit the center of that target, that was called sinning. You're like, well, how does this correlate to me, Brian? I don't have a bow and arrow. I just look at word, the word sin as like... The requirement that the Lord has for us as human beings to be able to go into heaven is perfection. You're like, okay, well, I'm out. That's what that term is. When you hit a bullseye, it's perfect. The good news, that's what the gospel means. The gospel means good news. That's what that term means. Can you guys all say good news? Hey, kids, all say good news really loud. Good news. I couldn't hear you. Good news. Okay, parents, join your kids. Yes. All right, all the, all the donut energy is out. Oh, I should have yelled good news? <laughs> good news. How many of you guys look good, like good news? I love good news. I love it. It's amazing. So you may ask, well, what is this good news? What is this gospel? Well, to know what is good, you first need to know what the bad news is. You need to know what the bad news is so you can know what the good news is. When Clint teaches our youth, he talks about this. He's in the book of John, and I love it. Like, we don't candy coat things for the youth ministry. Like, it's plain. Like, if, if, if we candy coat the truth of God's word when it talks about sin and God's grace and what God requires and where people go after they pass away if they don't know the Lord and, and how you know, you can't please God unless Jesus is in you. Like, those are really heavy-duty things. And we're in a society nowadays where it's like, oh, well, acceptance and love and all this stuff. Well, you know what? If someone's drowning, are you going to look at them and go, oh, hey, man, how you doing? Are, are you, oh, you look, oh, I don't want to get wet. Oh, you, you look like your, oh, your head, his head went underwater a few times. 
He'll come back up. He's cool, man. I love him. Would you do that? No. no. See? My 11-year-old son knows. And so Paul is giving this very serious statement here, and, I, and, I, and, I, and, I, and I'm, I just feel impressed that I need to share the same thing in context here with y'all is that, man, we really need to know that the good news, the gospel is for us and it's available, it's free, and the Lord doesn't require us to jump through tons of hoops to be able to have him be a part of our lives. And the, the church of Galatia had started adding things to this grace. Romans 3.23 says this, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That's all of us. All of us have missed the perfect mark. I wake up and I miss the perfect mark, man. I'm sure you guys are the same way. But if you go and you look at the rest of Romans 3.23 here, it says fallen short. In other words, our efforts don't make it. We can't get there. We can't get to this requirement that God has. We can't get to the glory of God without Jesus. So the gospel is what Jesus Christ did on the cross, told to us by scripture and proven by the resurrection. Elisha and I have this conversation all the time. You can't talk about the crucifixion about Jesus unless you exemplify the resurrection because if Jesus never rose from the dead, he'd be what? A dead God. There'd be no hope or life in him, in, 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 in the testimony of him. And so the resurrection of Jesus is the most miraculous thing ever happened, not physically, but supernaturally too, because it meant that Jesus is who he said he was, and that when he died on the cross, it wasn't in vain, and that when he was buried three days, it satisfied the, the, the prophecies about him. And when he rose from the dead, his father rose him from the dead, and over 500 people physically saw Jesus. Did you know that the New Testament has thousands of manuscripts that, 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 that validate it? Do you know that the, the New Testament alone is, has more validation than our historical books that we teach people? Did you know that? Don't discount the Bible. Don't, you know, that's another thing. Like a lot of times, in, I, this is how I work. If it's not valid, I don't listen to it, right? Unless it's at the gas pump because I need it. Those prices aren't valid, but unfortunately I still have to put it in my car. <laughs> But that's a reality with us, right? If it's not valid, we don't need it. And you know, the other cool thing is that I know for a fact in this room right now in every church across the way and every person that's sharing the truth of Jesus with somebody, the Holy Spirit is ministering to them right now. In this room, the Holy Spirit's ministering to you. You know how I know that? Because God's will is for you to know the true and living God. I don't even need to see it. I just need to be faithful to do what I'm here to do, which is read the word of God. And by his grace, somehow expound truthfully on what it's supposed to say here. And so the gospel is what Jesus did on the cross. The scripture proves that and it proves his resurrection. We see in 1 Corinthians 15, three through four, Paul writing his first letter to the church of Corinth and that church, don't even talk about that one. They were messed up too. Verse three says, for I delivered to you first of all that which I also received. In other words, he's saying this is something that also I received. That Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures and that he was buried and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. It's very important because the scriptures are the barometer of what 
the Lord does and what he is and who we are and how he interacts with us. I've said this before. This is the idiot filter. It really is. If I ever say, like, you know, last week I apologized for saying something that wasn't in here. 150, 120, scripture says that there was about 120 people in the upper room, but I, I said 150. Maybe there were. I mean, there's that word about in there. I don't know. But it said 120 in the scriptures, right? And so I corrected myself. And please, if something ever comes from a pulpit or comes from me that's not scripturally based, please tell me. We need to be willing to submit to the scriptures of God, not have God's scripture trying to submit to us. So we see here at the end of verse six, Paul makes this statement to a different gospel. It's interesting. Then he goes on to say that it is not even a gospel. It is not another gospel at all. It is not good news. And then he goes on, he says that there are some who trouble you. In other words, these people that were bringing this false gospel created trouble in the life of the Galatian churches. And how would this not a gospel differ? It was perverted. It was a perverted gospel. It was a gospel mixed with grace and law. See, it's by grace that we're saved through faith in Jesus. Nothing else. Nothing else at all. Verse eight says, but even if we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel to you, then what we have preached to you, let him be accursed. You're like, well, wait a minute, Brian. Paul's a man and he's lifting himself up on a pedestal and saying, I've got the only way. That's not what Paul's saying. See, if you know who Paul is, Paul was a person who actually used to murder Christians and God showed up on his road to Damascus and transformed his life. Paul didn't just do this for himself. He wasn't doing this for his own accolades. God had really transformed him and the truth of who Jesus was was in him and he knew that what he was sharing with them was the true gospel. But you look here, it says, but even if we, in other words, the, when Paul started this statement, he, in, in this letter, he talked about him and others that were with him. In other words, if, even if Paul or the people that were with him or an angel from heaven preached any other gospel, I wanna stop there for a second. And the Book of Mormon was somehow translated by Joseph Smith, 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 Smith from an angel called Moroni. It's a demon. And so if you think about it, Paul is even speaking to the future of that where he says that even those that have a religion that comes from any angel from heaven is accursed if it's contrary to the gospel. I'm not speaking about the people that are Mormons. I'm speaking about the religion, that it's a false gospel. It's false. It's not Jesus and that's it. It's it's do this, this, and this, wear special clothing or do these things and, and, and you keep going and going and going and you just might please God if you keep going. Come on, let's go. That's not what a relationship with Jesus is about. I might do that with you if you're a guy and I'm like, dude, let's keep going. Like when Nehemiah built the wall, one guy had a, a sword and the other guy's building. We need each other to keep speaking that it's by the grace of the work of Jesus, not by any other thing that we can get into heaven. And that's what was at stake here, was the gospel, not religiosity. 
Like the, like, like the analogy I said about the drowning person. That would be a false gospel. The good news would be somebody taking somebody by the hand and lifting them out. David wrote about that, about being lifted out of the miry clay. All of us are in miry clay in our life until we give our lives over to Jesus. The gospel literally, not figuratively, but literally sets you free from a bondage that you're born into. I said this before, my daughter, Miranda, she's amazing. She was up here singing. And not because that, but I mean, she's just, you know, our, my kids are amazing. I love them. I watch them. I'm like, wow, they're so cool. But I'll never forget, she's our first kid and your first kid. You learn a lot from your first child and your second one and third and fourth one. But your first child, you learn really specific things. And I'll never forget, we had this old stereo system and Miranda, she was probably one and a half years old and, and it, you know, on the floor, parent probably shouldn't have a little stereo system on the floor with a tape deck. And, and, you know, kids like to see things move. And so she would open the tape deck, you know, and push it back in. And then I, and I, and, and I, and, and I would tell her not to touch that. And she, she okay. You thought, oh, she's only one and a half. She knew that when she touched that, this one time I said, Miranda, don't do that. And she looked at me like this. <laughs> she grabbed the tape deck and broke it off. And at that moment, that was a picture. Listen, you guys, listen. That's a picture of sin. It's direct rebellion against God or authority. I was Miranda's authority. That's how we are towards the Lord until we give our life to him. We're, we're doing things our own. We're looking at God like last night. There was this crazy party in my neighborhood. I live in a quiet neighborhood. We're like really quiet. Like, we're the loudest people. <laughs> like, when we go on vacation and come back, my neighbor says, yeah, it's great, you're back. I'm like, so what you're saying is that it was quiet. <laughs> our kids all play in the street and everything, and all the kids in the neighborhood play in front of our house, and we want that to always be that way because we want to know what goes on with our children. But my point being is that <laughs> talking about the rebelliousness of, 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 of us as human beings, Two to 300 people entered into our neighborhood. We're all, like, our neighbors, we're outside. Like, the fire truck's going around circles. Gina was asleep. I go, Gina, like, there's heck of people in our neighborhood, like, a lot. Like, they're flying around, and they're all dressed up, and some of them not dressed, almost. And they're all teenagers. And this one guy, probably doing 40 miles an hour down my street, and my street dead ends into orchards. We're kind of surrounded by orchards, and so there's those, you know, big yellow wooden things, and, but he, and, and we have drainage ditches, and he just, boom, bottoms out on that drainage ditch, and I swear he was going to plow into the, plow through the, 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 the barrier at the end. That's how fast he was going, but he parked right in front of my neighbor's house, which is literally right in front of his driveway right there. Yeah, yeah, Gina, Gina was like, I'm going to go check this out, so she gets in the, the suburban, and she's driving around the block, that's how my wife is. Yeah. I'm like, she's all, come on, let's go. I'm like, uh, our kids are in the house. They're asleep. I don't really want to leave them there. <laughs> so Gina's backing up, and this guy barrels in front of her while she's, you know, kind of halfway back wheels in our driveway, and she lays in the horn, and he comes walking out, you know. Oh, my bad. My girlfriend tripping me out. And I was like, 
so did your right foot not work properly on the gas pedal? And he's all, what? So he's like stepping up to me. And Gina's like, hey! <laughs> this is, <laughs> you're in my neighborhood. He's like, oh, I'm my bad man, I respect women. In other words, he doesn't care about me. I literally had just brushed my teeth. I was like, praise the Lord, I'm done. It's midnight. I get to go to bed. You know, I could have gotten angry. And then he walked back up and he's all, my bad man. I don't mean no disrespect kind of thing. Oh yeah, he was walking the street. He goes, are you going to call the cops? I go, do I need to call the cops? That's when he came back up. No, no disrespect, man. What? Yeah, let me shake your hand, right? And then, you know, his girl comes out. She's got a big old fat bottle of Hennessy. And it's, a, it's alcohol. It's alcohol. Sorry, I got kids here. My point being is this. I tell this young man that God has a plan for his life. And you know what he told me? And, and, and you don't know this, and this is kind of weird for my neighborhood. We have a cross that's like 10 feet tall in my front yard. And it's been there since we had Easter the first time for this ministry because this ministry was operating out of my house. So I had Easter service in my front yard for our neighborhood when everyone was locked down. So we built a cross and put it in my front yard. And Gina said, we're not taking that down until this is all over. So it's in my yard. He didn't see it. It's interesting how people don't see the cross. But this young man, probably, you know, on whatever, doing his thing, when I said God has a plan for you, you know what he told me? I have my own plan. How many of you have your own plan? Your own plan doesn't work. My own plan doesn't work. This young man, I used to live like that young man, by the way. That's why Gene and I were like, hey, what's going on? That doesn't phase us. That was our life. That was my life. And I told the guy when he said that, I go, God did something for me. But he didn't listen. Don't be stubborn to the Lord. Don't be hard-hearted towards what God wants to do in your life. Don't be that person. You could be that person in your own mind quietly between you and the Lord and say, Lord, I have my own plan. You don't have to say it out loud. You know why? Because God sees you on the inside. He sees how you think. He understands you. He loves you so much. That's what's so amazing. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. It doesn't say, look, you know what? You need to get this, this, and this, and this right before I'll love you. It's I love you so much. Come to me and speak to me and tell me your sin. Confess your sins to the Lord. That word metanoia means repent. It means to change the way you think. It's a change of mind. And when Paul was coming to the Galatians, someone was coming in and trying to change the churches of Galatia's mind as it pertained to the true and living God. 
the gospel of Jesus Christ according to what the gospel really meant. So many other religions are out there saying so great of things and they do so many missionary trips and everything, but it's all led by an enemy that wants to draw people away and make them feel like what they're doing is godly, but really it's not. And it's a serious thing. And Paul was very serious because he loved the church of Galatia. And I, that's why I stand here because God put love in my heart for people. I love you guys. That's why I share the truth about Jesus because I know that it's the only answer that we have in our life to be able to be satisfied, to have that God-shaped hole changed, to have the Lord fill it. Paul was very serious. That word accursed, it actually means to be set away from God for eternity in darkness, basically. So it's a very serious thing when somebody comes in and tells you something different than that God's grace is sufficient. Verse 9 says, we said before, so now I say again, if anyone, in other words, he totally covers over anything, if anyone preaches any other gospel to you than what you have received, see that verse there, it says that they had received it, let him be accursed. That Greek, that, that word accursed is anathema, that's the Greek word, means cursed to the darkest of woes to be forever removed from God. Paul knew that that the gospel of Jesus, the truth, the good news is what saved people. And that's why he was so serious about it. And then verse 10, it says this, for do I now persuade men or God, or do I seek to please men? For if I still please men, I would not be a bond servant of Christ. So Paul's saying, look, I don't seek man's approval. I only live to please the Lord and to glorify him with my life. And that word bond servant, it actually means slave and it's a willing slave. It's a willingness to actually live your life according to what God wants your life to be, not what you want God to be according to your life. It's the ultimate sacrifice of showing somebody that you love them is to serve them. And Paul's saying that if I was to, if my agenda was to please men, I wouldn't be doing this. I wouldn't be able to be this way. There's so many ministries that are out there, even in the Christian churches where the, the ministry is not there to please God, it's there to please man and to, to, to be this show and to do so many different things to excite our emotions and our, and our mental status, but it, it absolutely loses the, the validity of why the church exists. And the church exists to glorify Jesus and to share the truth of the gospel and to read the word. And so let me leave you with this. If Paul had just said, hey man, just be loving and accept it and it's all good. We just might not be here today in this church actually. That's what hinged in the churches of Galatia was the gospel actually being continuing. So the gospel is at hand. It's the good news that leads to eternal life and peace and joy and strength and healing and restoration and hope and any other gospel that is not the gospel or the good news that tries to say that it is, it will never satisfy. See, this is about real life and real hope. The life that only God can give through Jesus Christ. So the next step is to believe. 
Ephesians 2, 8 through 9 says this, for by grace, and I read this last week, and maybe I'll read it again next week. Who knows? Maybe it's what we need to memorize as a church. I don't know. But for by grace, you have been saved through faith, not, and, and that not of yourselves. In other words, it's not your work that did this. It's God's work through Jesus. It is the gift of God. How many love gifts? I love them. Only if they're what I like, right? How I many is amazing when somebody gives you a gift and they speak your love language? I learned that because I'm married. The person receiving is like, yes, oh my gosh, it's great. You thought of me and I never even had to say anything. And Jesus thinks of you without you ever saying anything. He loves you. He wants to woo you into a relationship with him. He knows what you need. And sometimes we need hard words, man. Sometimes we need truth, right? I'd rather have a friend come to me and say, hey, Brian, this is wrong. You need to change this or you're going to go off this cliff. And Lord willing, I won't be like the guy that was at my house. I got my own plan, man. I used to be that way. Praise the Lord for his grace. It is the gift of God. Verse nine, not of works, lest anyone should boast. In other words, and that's exactly what people came into the church of Galatia and tried to pervert. It's not Jesus plus this. You know, I tell people, your relationship with God has nothing to do with attending church, has nothing to do with your parents attending church, has nothing to do with that. It has to do with you confessing that you're a sinner because we fall short of the glory of God and believing that Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sins and that he was that propitiation, that, 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 that process that took our place on the cross. And pray, Lord, I confess that I'm a sinner. I invite you to be into my heart. And in a nanosecond, if you really believe that in the heart of hearts, you'll be saved. It's that simple. And, 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 it, and it, 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 I know I'm going over. It's contrary to our pride. It's contrary to us as human beings because we want to accomplish something. It speaks against all those things. We just have to be willing. Hey, kids, how many of you love free gifts? They love it. I don't have any gifts to give Jacob. He's standing like, are you going to throw something? It's okay. I engage him. It's okay, Ashlyn. The Lord wants to give you a free gift of eternal life today if you don't know him. And that's something you can pray in your heart of hearts or you can come up and talk with me. We can pray with you. You can grab one of our connection cards and, and write something on it for prayer. Put it in the box, in the offering box. You know, I would rather have this place be a place of prayer and glorify, glorification to, the Jesus, to Jesus than a place full of money because that's where transformation happens in our lives. It's through the work of the Holy Spirit and through his word. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for your grace and mercy. Thank you for Paul and just um, who he is and, and how you set him free from such a treacherous life, Lord. And just for your word and that it speaks to us. And I pray, Lord, that um, you would just continue to work in our lives, please, Lord, making us more like you. And to those of us who don't know you, that you'd, again, Lord, that you'd remove scales from our eyes and hearts that we'd be able to receive you, Lord. Just thank you for each and every person here, Lord. Thank you that you love us, God. That this really, the word of God is a love letter to us in spite of us, Lord. Lord, just thank you and praise you and give you all the glory in Jesus' name, amen.